Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. We've had football begin. Obviously, the NFL is going to be started later this week, but we have oh, not yeah. been without basketball as the World Cup has been going on. Uh, since we last spoke, we have seen the United States lose to Lithuania and then this morning uh, beat Italy. And so now they move on to the next round. They will play the winner of Germany and Latvia, which I cannot say I will get up for. It is going to take place at 3.45 a.m. And then uh, <laughs> I am for sure, though, going to get up tomorrow morning to watch Canada versus Slovenia because that is going to be Luka Doncic versus SGA and the rest of his Canadian brethren. Um, I got to be honest, I, going into this, thought I would just kind of watch here and there, but the longer this has gone on, the more interested I have become. And it also gets me excited about international basketball on the biggest stage when the Olympics come around, because mm. as you're watching this, the quality of play is so high. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, I love the pace of it. I love some of the rules. And so I, I got to be honest, I have, I've super enjoyed watching this. And this Team USA is by no means a sure thing to win, which actually has made me even more interested than. Certainly, if they were going and, and and mauling people and maybe would have one or two competitive games. 
And we kind of got to see that with the Lithuania thing over the weekend. Uh, but I'm, I'm pro World Cup. I am. I like this. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like you said, we can repeat the same point we made a couple of weeks ago, but it's just the quality of play, the pace of play, the 40-minute the runtime for the game, the lack of commercials, not uh, rewarding, flopping, and flaring your arms around and drifting. The, the quality of play is something that the NBA should take note about. And I think the sentiment that we share, listeners have said to us through the mailbag, agreeing with us on points like that, offering their thoughts. I've seen people tweeting about it, talking about how the NBA needs to be taking note of everything happening with FIBA. It feels like it's not like this is the first year anybody has ever watched FIBA, but doesn't it feel like people are expressing that more than ever before? Do you think it's because the disparity is so wide at this point between the NBA and FIBA that people are like, whoa, this is actually really nice to watch? I think that is certainly part of it. The other thing is even that the amount of guys that are involved in it. So now Canada is stock full of guys that people they are familiar with, right? You you generally, there are some of these teams where they've just got one or two guys on their team that you are familiar with. But in those cases, especially with the good teams, it's like Luca. Like, you may not be aware of everybody else for Slovenia, but you know that one of the best players in the world is on their team. Or Latvia. You watch them, and like you you know Davis Bertans. Um, you may know one or two other guys. But for the most part, I do think that there are fan bases that are involved, and I do think it's kind of a function of it being they always talk about how it's a global game, it's a global game, and there's no better example of this because you're watching it, you're seeing NBA players on this stage, and I think that the the young stars being involved in this and that they're so widespread, there's not a bunch of guys from the same teams or guys that you're bored with. Like the last World Cup or whenever that was that they ended seventh, like that was like Campbell Walker and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. And yeah, they had some young guys at the time, which were like Tatum and Brown and those guys. But like this team is a bunch of guys that we think are kind of up next. And when you're watching Halliburton and you're watching Anthony Edwards and you're watching Jaron Jackson Jr. and you're watching Miles, uh, uh, Mikel Bridges and these guys that they're kind of the ones that are up next. And so. I think that just the interest in Team U, it's a fun team. It's a fun team rather than just a bunch of guys that aren't like the Olympic guys that are kind of, I think these guys move the needle in the NBA. And they're ones that you seek out and want to watch on League Pass, and they're fun. And when you juxtapose that against what I talked about the last time where they ended up seventh and were kind of a disappointment, it's a lot different. This has been a, fun young team to watch and kind of think about how they're going to grow and also take their lumps. That Lithuania team, I tweeted out, we have one guy with muscles and he was the one, Anthony Edwards. <laughs> it's like the rest yeah. of them is like getting pushed around out there over and over. They were strong. Those were grown-ass men that knew exactly the kind of offense they wanted to run. 
trying to find every mismatch, throwing Jared Jackson around, throwing, putting Austin Reeves in the basket every other possession, finding mismatches, hitting every three. Like, they just played unbelievable basketball. And I think it's fun to watch all the, like, young next-up stars go through that. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and for Team USA specifically, I mean, obviously in their loss, they just didn't have beef. They they have Jaron Jackson Jr. playing center. They have Paolo Bancaro playing center. But through an NBA lens watching these guys, especially Bancaro, him playing center, something he barely did at all for the Magic and something that he really can't do considering their amount of bigs that they have on their roster, Wendell Carter in the front court, among others, seeing him do it for Team USA, like he had a play against Italy today in the second half where he was like rotating around on defense, read the pass, uh, deflected it, next possession, he has a block. Uh, like it was like this amazing defensive sequence on back-to-back possessions where you're like, oh my goodness, if he were playing this style in the NBA, he's one of those guys, like all everybody else we're talking about, he's up next. So I think we're seeing some of these players, again, through an NBA lens, in a different environment, in a different system that's exciting. Like, it makes me feel more excited about the future of the NBA, watching some of these guys. Tyrese Halliburton, we already know what he can do, but, like, seeing these guys together on the court with their high basketball IQ, the style of play, I I hope they get a rematch. And I hope I want to see how they end up going against the size of some potential opponents in the next round. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, that's what I think it's really going to lock in. And it's like, I'm going to want to watch every game, even if it's not live, it's going to have to be something where it's like first thing in the morning. Uh, like you just, you gotta, you gotta find a way to, to be up for it. Well, and it's, like, gonna, we it's know better we're live. Not, we're not going to get to see a play Lithuania. Cause Lithuania got, uh, picked off. Uh, now, right before we started recording this, um, and, and they, lost, they lost to Serbia. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about physical? So Serbia, I don't know. Uh, this Simonac guy, who's one of their best players, they had like the jersey like laid out on the bench um, for him because I think it was South Sudan that they were playing. Anyway, the guy got elbowed in the kidney and was injured so badly that they ended up doing like a surgery on him. And then as of Sunday, they had to go do another surgery and extract crazy the damn kidney. Oh, my God. I mean, I never heard of such a thing. God. He got elbowed in the kidney and he lost his kidney. So they came out and it was like, you know, uh, Lithuania, who's like riding high as can be, one of the greatest moments in Lithuania basketball history, that uh, emphatic win that they had against the United States, they just run into an absolute buzzsaw. And again, one of those teams uh, that we were talking about, like they got a couple of guys. They've got Bogdanovich. They've got Jovich, who's playing, you know, the uh, young guy for the Heat. And they got some other players. Uh, Marco Guterich, who was once a Grizzlies draft pick. Um, But Man, there's some hard-nosed basketball going on out there. And to your point about having to play against some of these big guys, these grown-ass men, you know, Italy couldn't do it. Number one, Italy can't shoot threes. Uh, They took a bunch of open ones. They couldn't make them. And they also don't have, like, big size. They were a perfect 
matchup for the United States to run out on. Um, you got to be able to shoot because you're not going to make your way on twos against the United States. But the size thing is real, and I don't know. You know, it's easy to just put all the blame on Bancaro, Jackson, and the rest, but that's kind of how they built this roster. And you do wonder going forward, Mark Stein in his newsletter had something that shocked me. He said, uh, he's talking about the rebounding issue with the United States. It's a newsletter he put out today. And it said, Anthony Davis averaged 12.5 rebounds in 56 games last season. That would have topped uh, DeMontis Sabonis' league-leading 12.3 rebounds per game. But he didn't qualify. No American, as that result, officially placed higher than ninth in rebounds per game. And that was Julius Randle. Uh, who was the lone American in the top 11. In each of the past three seasons, in fact, only one American has cracked the top 10 in rebounds per game. Before Randall last year, Wendell Carter Jr. at number nine for the Magic in 21-22 at 10 and a half rebounds and Russell Westbrook when he played for the Wizards. <laughs> Averaged 11.5 rebounds per game. I mean, and you think about it, like when you're on the international stage, like Giannis is going to be playing and, 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 uh, uh, Nikola Jokic is going to be playing and you better like convince Embiid to play for you instead of France or something. Yeah. Like it's like there's these teams and, and Sabonis wasn't even playing for Lithuania and they got every rebound against you. And it's like, it's kind of shocking to think about. Like, Bam Adebayo, hopefully, will play in the next one. But the fact that there have not been Americans that have, you know, been like the 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 the, guy, the guys that are in the tops in rebounding aren't American-born players. And I don't know if you really can use it as an advantage with your, you know, slight, uh, you know. Um, small ball. Like, America has to play small ball. That's what they decided to do after they took the lugs last time around and got smoked. So they tried Brooke Lopez and Plumlee and that group, and they got trashed. So, I don't know. And I don't know, I, I, I guess it's, you know, I know you're going to sound like an old old man, but like, anybody that's worth their salt from a very young age is facing up to the basket. Like, we don't have bigs traditional bigs. And on that international stage, boy, it could show up mm -hmm. big time. Sure could use a like a, a Roy Hibbert. <laughs> <laughs> a Roy Hibbert? <laughs> Need somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, Jared Allen? All right. Mobley, maybe? Uh, yeah. You know, one of the other guys uh, Stein brought up was, I mean, I, Isaiah Stewart, or maybe Kevon Looney, even. Oh, right? Looney's a Looney's a good one. Huh? Like, I mean, we just don't have. We don't, yeah, Looney at least could get down there and bang with whoever's big, but it's it's gonna be interesting to see if that shows up because they got absolutely smoked. Montenegro and Lithuania out rebounded them ninety two to fifty eight. Kevin thirty nine to five on second chance points. Hmm. 
in those two games. So the United States has got to keep everybody off the boards. But I hope, like hell, we get a Canada game. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And that wouldn't be until the final, though. That's right. But then they got Slovenia. And Dennis Schroeder's the best player in the world. Uh, and he plays <laughs> for Germany. He's got to take on the Latvian laser. But that Canada team was dead to rights. And Gildas Alexander either scored or assisted on every single point down the stretch. And then Dylan Brooks hit just uh, one of the biggest shots of Canadian basketball history. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> the SGA at the end of that game was Ooh. absolutely sensational. And not not to just to like insert a quick mailbag question we got here, Chris. Yeah. We did get it. We got an SGA related question and thought from Ethan. He was talking about how great he's been in the tournament and how SGA stood out to him. And he said, do you guys see OKC becoming a championship team with SGA as their number one guy? I do. I think SGA is capable of being a number one. I think he could be the best player on a title team. I agree with you completely. And this could could be the year that he thrusts himself into that conversation. Last year was like, oh, yeah, well, who's going to be fifth on MVP ballots? He's an all-NBA guy. I think this is the year he establishes himself as the number one guy on a championship hopeful. OKC's okay, so not there yet as a young team, but SGA can be number one. Yeah, and just so we're clear, I mean, if you are, if you're going to be the best player on a title team, history tells us that in order to win a title, you got to have like one of the best five guys, six guys in the league. Yep. Like that, that Pistons team is the extreme outlier. Even when Dirk did it, Dirk was one of the best five, six guys in the league. Like you got to have one of those guys. So that, that's, it's very, very high praise that we're making for SGA. But could we look up and SGA is one of those guys? Again, it's different saying they will win one than could they. And just the idea that he even has a chance of being one of the, you know, five, ten best players in the league. That we could look up at one of the five best players in the league for a season was Gilgis Alexander. I I don't I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. He is awesome. And he just took over that game completely like a superstar would. Like, he he's special talent for sure. Um, so I think he could, yeah. I think he probably, I don't know if you'd win it, but could you get there with him being your best player? You'd have a chance. He's awesome. When we get SGA versus Luca Wednesday morning, in the wee hours of the morning, I wonder, depending on how this game goes, will it be a discussion point? Is SGA better than Luca? Will that be something that happens this week? Could it be some, come something either. during the season? Could it become during the season, Chris? I mean, I, I think that if he plays like he did last year, that and they're going to be on TV a lot more and his team's a lot better, that certainly he's going to get into all manner of conversations. I mean, this guy, what are we talking about? He's like a first-team all-NBA player already, you know? But, like, you start getting into best player conversations when your team's awesome. And so he has not had that type of success yet, but the team's success, you know, once he gets on that playoff stage and delivers on that playoff stage, then it's a different deal. And that's when you... 
That's when you really vault your... I mean, that is the next step. He has to do that. He has to get to the playoffs and be the, the guy. And Luka's already done that. He's been the guy in the playoffs and has put the fear of God into, you know, uh, teams that he's lost to and teams that they've beaten has been a huge problem. So he uh, he, didn't, he ain't got a bunch of guys with him for Slovenia. And that Canada team should be able to throw Dylan Brooks at him and then Dort at him and, like, just a revolving door of guys making his life hell. Um. You know, making other guys on Slovenia, you know, be awesome. But yeah, I think I, I, so. I don't think it's necessarily fair on this level, but once that's the next step for SGA, like not just be the great regular season guy, but like be the be the best player on a team that's winning in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right? True. Yeah, that's where you prove yourself. But I do think he's. I think we both think he's capable of that. And that's where. Like last year, or Jokic to me took the best player in the world title during the postseason. That's sure. where you truly prove yourself is April to June. And it's why and everybody's so for, down on Embiid. Yes. And, and Luca's been to Western Conference finals. He has proven himself despite having some shoddy supporting casts. He has performed at the biggest of stages. He's gone toe to toe with Kawhi Leonard. He has had the biggest performances in the biggest games. SGA needs to do that. That's when he can thrust himself into that discussion. Yeah, and we can move on to the to the mailbag. Um, that's do a it. good question. I do think. I mean, we're both very very high on on Gilgis Alexander and anybody. You you can roll your eyes. Anybody that watched that Canada game in the last like five minutes when they're down nine. I mean, I I don't know how you could not think this this this. Oh, I know. He's easily one of the best players in the world. He just got a. He's got to deliver on the biggest stage, as you said. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Simon from Australia had a World Cup related question. We didn't talk about this last week when it was a topic of the week, but he said, interested in, t- interested to hear your thoughts on Noah Lyle's recent comments about how the NBA uses the term world champions. Uh, the one thing I've taken issue with this whole debate question is the, the NBA doesn't use the term world champions. If you listen back to Adam Silver introducing the Nuggets after they won the finals, handing them over the Larry O'Brien trophy, he says they are, you are the 2023 NBA champions. If you go back any year to Mark Tatum introducing the Warriors the year prior, he says, you are the 2022 NBA champions. It's the teams or media that will say world champions or players who might say we're world champions, but the NBA doesn't call you world champions. They call you NBA champions. Yeah, they do author. I mean, look, it's their shirt. Uh, their shirts. The shirts will say world maybe, maybe there are Maybe there are shirts with the NBA logo, but regardless. Yeah. It is the best league in the world. This is yeah, the, the this is the international league where all the best players in the world do go to. You kind yes. of are world champions. You are. You're, you're playing all the best players in the world. In the world, it is a global <laughs> sport. Yes, it just takes place yeah. in America, but with I with mean, a team in Canada and occasionally not, a game overseas. Yeah, it's not like you're just playing a, against a bunch of uh, Americans. Yeah, you're playing against everybody. In fact, the best sure. five guys in the league um, <laughs> are from overseas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's totally valid to call it world champions when it is the best league in the world with the best players in the world. It just so happens that 29 of 30 teams are in America. Yeah, it, shame for Noah Lyles, right? I mean, like for everybody to be did I didn't know him. Did you know him? Like yeah. now. That's all anybody knows is that yeah. Noah Lyles is the guy that made all the NBA players mad. <laughs> and like had Damian Lillard tweeting out, you know, what's this dude on or whatever he tweeted. Like the, <laughs> Get him some the, help, then, whatever. Yeah. You know, and Draymond tweeting out when being smart goes wrong. And like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand picking a fight over that anyway. I know. It's goofy. It's bizarre. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you? I don't know. Do you really care? Do you really care? If they call themselves world champions, Doesn't like, do you think that? Do you think that somebody else is entitled to that? I mean, okay, so <laughs> I guess if you win the Olympics, you're the world champion. Is that what? Is that the way you say it? I mean, which is, I don't know. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, three-time world champion. Then, <laughs> good right? for him. I think he's got three golds. So who knew? A question from a player who has yet to win an NBA Finals. Jonathan had said he's been a, he's a Utah Jazz fan. He watched Donovan Mitchell get better over the years. He always felt like when Mitchell was in Utah that he'd be he'd be at his best if he were the point guard of a team surrounded by a bunch of length at guard, at wing, at forward. And now he watches Mitchell on the Cavs. He's still a fan of Mitchell, he says. But the Cavs have Darius Garland, so that isn't likely to happen anytime soon in Cleveland like it did in Utah. Is there a world in which Mitchell becomes the point guard of a team and takes his team to the next level. Phrasing that a little bit of a different way, Chris, <coughs> do you think Mitchell on this Cavs roster is presently constructed 
can be a leader on a championship team, or does this Cavs roster have limited upside as presently constructed? It has limited upside because of the way it's built with the two bigs that neither of them can shoot. I agree. Too, too easy much to defend. Yep. It's too easy to defend. Too much overlap. Two small guards. Two bigs who don't shoot threes. That's That's got limited ceiling. You got to space it out, mm-hmm. right? I get it. They had a lot of success, but I mean, you saw when a team just could dedicate to game planning them. Didn't work. Mobley wasn't any good. Allen was atrocious. And it's like, okay, now what's the, you know, you, you can blame the coach if you want, but I don't think it's Bickerstaff's fault. Like, what was he going to go to? No. He, Look he's up not and down the, the GM. Bench. Yeah. And it's like, I know that, you know, they've tried a couple different guys at three. Um, you know, they gave Kevin Love away for nothing. And Kevin Love could have at least spaced it out for him, you know, uh, where he played one big. And then uh, Mitchell is an impossible one-on-one guard, truly. And I think Garland is that way either. But they got to space that thing out. They've got to they got to find somebody at three and four that has to be honored a way to even get the full potential of of probably both of those guys. I think Mitchell is absolutely awesome. Uh, and I do think that, yes, he could be a guy that delivers. Like, you go look at his playoff numbers. That guy has delivered in the playoffs. He is one of the highest points per game of anybody. Um, but they've got some, they got some roster stuff to figure out to not be so so easy to game plan against because it is different. Regular season's one thing, but once they got against a good coach like Tibbs that could just decide, okay, we're going to take away this, this, and this, then now you got you got problems on your hands. I don't think he has to be a point guard either. I think he could play off the ball. Yeah, I I think you just need size. Like if yeah. if you can find a big a big ball handler who can share the creation responsibilities. That's the ideal. Mitchell yeah. Garland in the backcourt has a limited ceiling. Alan Mobley in the frontcourt has a limited ceiling, and they need to, in some way, shape, or form, flip one of those guys on the backcourt, Mitchell or Garland, and then in the frontcourt, they need Mobley to extend his range to three. It's a must. It has to happen. And if it doesn't, they're just not going to be anything more than maybe a East Finals team. And you want to be much more than that. Well, and even if, he, if he's not going to... Kev, then have your center a guy that can at least space it out. Well, it's hard, that's easier than said to done, though, to find. I know. I mean, I know. That's really tough. Like, like I've said to you a hundred times, there's only one Brooke Lopez. There's yeah. not a lot of bigs that can shoot threes unless you're a superstar level talent. Or Mo Bamba. Or Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba, definitely. Or Christian Wood, the unsigned Christian Wood. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's playing in China next year or if he's waiting for like something to shake out with the Heat or the Lakers or something like that. We'll find out in the months to come. Seasons in uh what, 8 weeks, not months and weeks to come. Question from Marvin. Has there ever been a time when your on-air arguments carried over to outside the podcast, like you couldn't resolve the debate while recording and ended up exchanging words after or over text message? I don't remember one. I don't think so either, no. Like where there was a... 
Like something no. basketball wise that we were. No, I don't think so. No, ever. I mean, I think <laughs> I think that's the good thing about us is we just yeah. we 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 love talking and debating basketball. It's not ever anything personal. Like <laughs> it's never. Yeah, I has don't think been. there's. I mean, mm. like maybe like goofs, but not yeah. like not yeah, like exactly. no, we didn't settle it. Like more like yeah, more like goofs. Like if uh, like maybe he would send me. Like same way people would see like on Twitter, like if if Killian yeah. Hayes went off, he would rub it in my face, or if for sure. uh, somebody or if the Grizzlies lost, he'd rub it in my face, or, yeah, or for sure. I would yeah. rub it That's in his what face. Do, if, right? if somebody got cut, but yeah, no, no, like no, like debate. Where it was like, no, oh, I'm not so. letting this go. Like we're <laughs> we're pretty well. I think that's why we're still together. The people <laughs> that would the I would tell you this pairings that you think would fight off the air on TV or radio or podcast, ones that would fight like off the air would not be together for oh, eight yeah. seasons or whatever we've been together. I mean, this is going to be this is our eight season coming up. So seriously that you can't let it go. Whereas, I, I mean, like we're going to get done recording this. I'm going to move on with my day. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go, go get my haircut and uh, get ready for Vegas this week for the G yeah. League Ignite games against Perth. I'm excited. Yeah, we, cer- we certainly goofed with each other, but not, no, no debate that I can ever remember. If anything, you and I are due for like a big basketball argument. I feel like there's been yeah. over this past season a lot Too of... Too much agreement. Yeah, but in that, but that's what makes uh, what our show so enjoyable is there's no manufactured, there never has been any manufactured disagreements or debates. It's always just been natural. So, uh, so I, I think in that case, the next something. It, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, well, I mean, I know the next one will be natural. Yeah. It would be manufactured if I if I took the side of no, the Cavaliers can be champions. With Mitchell and Garland in the backcourt. Uh, this is the year. So for everybody out there that wants an argument, this is the year. You'll, you'll be able to get there. I think Especially it will Especially like be. when Marcus Smart is thriving for the Grizzlies and <laughs> Porzingis is sitting with a, 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 a boot on his foot <laughs> and I'm rubbing it in. <laughs> He's going to yep. get super salty and then it'll mm-hmm. ignite something. Yeah, I, th- I, I, think, I think this is going to be the year. This, this year when I kind of review, <laughs> like when I think ahead on articles I want to write and whatnot, and I think about my thoughts on teams, I think this is the year where we're going to find some strong disagreements. There are a lot of divisive teams um, that I'm excited to talk about in the months to come. Uh, Armin is from Iran, and he's working as a manager for a Division I college basketball team here in the U.S. And he asked, do you have any advice for me who hasn't played basketball at a high level but wants to work in an NBA front office? How do I make that leap? I think he's doing it already, Chris. He's yeah. uh, as a manager on a college basketball team. You're doing it. That's step one, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of ones that I know that have made it to front offices, uh, go get a law degree. <laughs> a lot of That's lawyers true. in these places now. That's um, true. Uh, a law degree certainly helps. Number one, be a good guy, an honest guy, mm-hmm. and a friendly guy. True to uh, yourself. Some- Somebody and kind to others. Somebody that want uh, that people want to be around. It, that sounds crazy, but that is advice for anybody in any walk of life. I don't care if you're trying to get an NBA front office or you're trying to get to any job. Um, if you yeah. are somebody that people like to be around, and that sometimes can take effort. 
that means that you aren't, you're not always wearing your emotions on your sleeve. Sometimes you have bad days, but you can't let that permeate your workplace, especially if you have some level of influence on it, right? There's plenty of days where I, I may have a million things going on, but if I allow that to affect this show, if I allow that to affect the people I'm working with on a daily basis, then I, I don't want to be a drain, right? And that doesn't mean holding it all in, but yeah. what that does mean is that you have a responsibility to, you're part of something. When you're part of, whether it's a college team or an NBA team or whatever, I, I have seen so many guys over the years that maybe not are who would be the best at their jobs or the most capable or the most talented, but they are somebody that people love having as part of the team. It is the trick to being the 14th and 15th man on an NBA roster. That guy cannot be a dickhead. He can't. And there are a million of them that are overseas or having the G League or whatever that are better basketball players. But they don't like their plight. They were an attitude issue. They didn't want to come to practice, whatever. And so I don't think it's any different in the NBA than it is in most businesses or most things in life. I would, you know, work the hardest and I would attempt to be a great teammate that people want to be around. And qualifications-wise, there are going to be people that are more capable, more qualified, smarter, all that kind of stuff. But Whatever job you are asked to do, if you do that, you know, in the as hard as you possibly can, if you give everything you've got and you make sure that people around you enjoy working with you, I think you can go a long way in virtually anything. You know, once upon a time, and it doesn't matter that you didn't play basketball. Bill Belichick didn't play football. Eric Spolstra. What NBA team was he on? <laughs> right? I mean, mm -hmm. he was, once upon a time, he was in a video room. And I think that's another great place to be, too. You know, video, video room, room. Yeah, scouting. working your way up. Yes. And, and, that, and you do have to be patient. You have to be patient. That's right. And you're getting in on the bottom level and trying to soak up as much knowledge as you possibly can. I have been stunned over the years at the amount, uh, the, the willingness of executives in the NBA and in the NFL to help young people that profess a great interest, right? There's a lot of people in front offices now that started off as interns, mm -hmm. a lot. One of them, one of the, one of the best and the most highly regarded in the league, Masai Ujiri, he is born in England he grows up in Nigeria. He's playing soccer until he's like 13, 14. He never was an NBA player either, right? Like he, he never was. Yeah, and I think with Masai, um, that, that's a great example of the heights you can reach. And we had a question about Masai Ujiri as well from Adam in Bolivia. He now lives in Toronto. He's a Raptors fan. And, you know, he believes the in Masai we trust thing that Raptors fans have. And, but he feels concerned with the state of the team. So his question is, what are your takes on where the team should go moving forward? 
And do you see a path back to contention? It does seem like with the Raptors, people around the league, I've said this on this pod, others have reported it, like people around the league don't really know what they're doing, what direction they're doing. They they sense uh, disagreement within the Raptors front office on what direction to go. That's old news at this point, but they seem to be kind of straddling that that middle purposely. Uh, it, it's as if they're, they're waiting for which path to go, whether that's making a big splash acquisition. They were one of the teams that were kind of flirting with the idea of Kevin Durant a year ago. And now it's at the point that they're the team that could be flirting with trading guys away, Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, and they just haven't chosen a path yet. Normally, I would say that you should choose and pick either blowing it up and being a younger team and rebuilding or going all in contending. But with the position they're in, I don't exactly mind this strategy. I, I would love to see what the team looks like this coming season. If Scotty Barnes can can get better from his sophomore slump that he had, if he can continue on the trajectory he seemed to be on as a rookie, I'd love to see this team with Jacob Pertle with a full training camp with what he could provide defensively as a center. I, I'd just be curious to see these guys before I choose a direction and determine who I want to keep moving forward, whether it's with the hopes of contending in the near term or whether it's going really young and, and building for the future. Yeah, I think, didn't they hire my guy Darko to be the coach there? They it, sure th- did, yes. Yeah, that signals to me where they're going. Young Darko and develop. Is, oh, he's an amazing player development guy. And, and people are going to love him in Toronto. You, you listen to guys uh, within the Grizzlies organization, like Desmond Bain, like Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, integral role in their development into the players that they have become. And another guy going back to the other thing, everybody loves, right? Loves being around, you know, if you ask somebody, there's not one person you could find that would say a false word about Darko. But Darko is, I I don't think, sometimes you hire like a win-now coach, like what they're trying to do in Phoenix with Frank Vogel, right? Like that's a team that they, it's ready to win. And so go get a guy that can go and, when when you hire somebody like Darko, I think that that shows that you're probably closer to a youth movement than you are a let's go try to win this thing right now. Um, you know, like when they had Nick Nurse for that matter. I think you build out around Barnes. I'm I'm still all in on Scotty Barnes and kind of what he can be in this league. It's never been ideal fit with him and Siakam, and so I would think that a Pascal Siakam deal, like he very well may be best player available for an amount of time. Um, and that you could get a, you you might be able to get a King's Ransom for, and whether that is, doesn't necessarily have to be rebuild materials, but whether that's young players and some picks and kind of stocking up and building towards the Barnes, uh, you know, the Barnes timeline and when he'll be able to win big as an awesome player in the league. And so I, yeah, I think you're, you're kind of in the middle right now, but you got assets for sure. And you could either, I I, I would just kind of, you don't have to bottom out at all. Just kind of more of a youth movement and get it more towards the, the Barnes timeline and building out around that. Um, 
because I do think you can get good value. Maybe not what Masai wants, which is, you know, 17 first round draft picks for OG and Anobi. <laughs> but you could probably get something. <laughs> Last thing from the mailbag today from David. He's a high school math teacher in the Bay Area. He doesn't have a question. He okay. just wanted to let us know that your bit, that's true. That might be true. That's ridiculous. It's making its way into his classroom next week. He <laughs> says, I'm going to be putting geometry problems and statements on my whiteboard, and students are going to need to answer if that statement is true. That might be true. Or that's ridiculous. I just, I mean, you came up with that, Chris. Just had to share that, that you are wow. indirectly educating the masses, making us a smarter population, <laughs> helping kids become adults. It's just, uh, it's wonderful the things you do, Chris. Into and, uh, the classroom, <laughs> huh? What an impact! <laughs> what an it is impact. a great, it is a great bit. We made it's a it really great the, bit. <laughs> we've made it into the a math classroom in uh, San Francisco. Should've, That's amazing. Should have trademarked it. Could have made some money off it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think they pay you any money for doing something in a math class. <laughs> Are they doing in person in San Francisco yet? <laughs> kidding come on uh, I'm kidding right. <laughs> the more uh, more zooms <laughs> well, <laughs> hell I'll teach your math class <laughs> <laughs> alright come on come on screen alright always a pleasure Kevin I'm, I'm super looking forward to the ending of this World Cup it's gonna we'll get the uh, semifinals and then we're gonna hopefully the United States will be in the finals uh, mm -hmm. which would be on Sunday. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.